Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, we're glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have to warn you, though, they're all crazy today. But we do have some good news, and that's that we're brought to you today by Bowl and Branch, the best sheets out there right now. We can get you an extra $50 off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code Martini, bowlandbranch.com. More on them in just a moment. Jim, let's get to crazy martini number one. This has been a crazy martini multiple times before, but it's becoming more and more obvious. Um, I remember back in 1992, it's a long time ago now, but the vice presidential debate where Admiral Stockdale, the running mate of Ross Perot, came out there and said, who am I and why am I here? He was trying to explain, you know, that he hadn't been a politician. Why is he on this national stage? Joe Biden might actually be literally asking those questions. Um, His cognitive issues have been pretty evident from the early stages of the Democratic debate cycle, and it's just gotten worse. The party's been able to hide it a little bit since he's been sequestered for the past four and a half months. But yesterday he made an appearance. He was actually at the William Hicks Anderson Community Center, and it turns out that Biden was actually friends with Mr. Anderson, yet that didn't stop him from getting the name of the facility wrong. Listen. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work as a joke. You didn't know where we were anyway. (laughs) Didn't know where we were. Jim, we're going to get a running mate uh, announcement next week. And that person, whoever it is, that woman, I guess, uh, is going to be a very critical choice because Joe Biden is very quickly proving himself completely incapable for this job. I was going to say, it feels, I'm trying to think back in U.S. history, and maybe you got to go back to Woodrow Wilson Mm -hmm. for a scenario where the president has to be minimally exposed to the public because his health issues are pretty glaring. Look, I want Joe Biden to have a long and happy life, not necessarily as president of the United States, but you listen to him. And, you know, those of us who've seen our grandparents age and pass along, and maybe you're at the age where you're seeing your parents, just the weakness in the voice, the the, the kind of meandering, the, the references. I mean, maybe he's making a joke. Nobody else around him really understands the joke. He just kind of mentally seems to be wandering off in his own territory. I'm sure Joe Biden has better days. And I'm sure when he has a bad moment like this, it stands out more. The video goes viral on Twitter and and things like that. Fine. I get that. But he's about to step into the presidency. Once he has the running mate, once the convention happens, this is going to turn into a race between two candidates and not a referendum on one candidate. And people are just going to start watching Joe Biden more. And I have a very hard time believing this is going to be the sort of thing that you can kind of airbrush away. Uh, The president of the United States has to answer questions. The president of the United States has to do interviews. The president of the United States pretty much is in front of the cameras just about every single day. Maybe a weekend passes and and they don't address it. But there's really no way to do the job of the presidency that much behind closed doors. And I just don't think this is going to be hidden. And and you're going to be able to kind of divert people's attention from it. And, you know, if Joe Biden wins, 
he won't have the contrast to Trump anymore. He won't be like, you know, well, aren't you glad he's not Trump? Yes, but he's, you know, he's, he's meandering. We, it's time to put grandpa into the home, you know? And so it'd be really fascinating to see how this shakes out. It kind of feels like we're, I don't know if gaslighting is the right term, but Democrats are acting like all of this is perfectly normal. And no, this is what happens when you nominate the oldest nominee in the, part, in the history of the party, a guy who will be the oldest president if he's elected in, on Inauguration Day. Look, you know, Greg, we, you know, I remember in 96, everybody thought Bob Dole was far too old to be president. Bob Dole celebrated his, what, his 97th birthday a couple of weeks ago? Sure did. Clearly Bob Dole's, you know, isn't, wasn't going to keel over any particular moment. But with Biden, it, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he's around. But presidency is not exactly a low-stress job. So we'll, we'll see how this shakes out. But my suspicion is that him joking about that, he doesn't know where he is. Yes, I'm sure he's got, you know, candidates have busy schedules, you know, but... It, it, it takes a different context with him. And it's something I think I'm sure his campaign is hoping that he just gets out of the habit of saying, I don't even know where I am these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not too funny considering the job he's running for. And it, you can't pick it up really in the audio clip. But in the video, after he says, welcome to the Kingswood Community Center, there's just this kind of blank stare on his face with his mouth gaping open. And then finally something clicks that that, that wasn't right. And so he finally figured out that that's not exactly where he was. But, I mean, that's a pretty simple thing that you would really want your nominee of a major party to know. But uh, apparently, Joe Biden is is struggling, and it's, it's sad to see. But the question is, is America about to elect someone who is clearly not ready mentally for the job, in addition to all the policy differences we would have with him? Well, Jim, one of the things that uh, is always good for your health is getting a great night's sleep. And no better way to do that than with bowl and branch sheets. What do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common? They all agree that bowl and branch sheets are the softest and most comfortable pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bowl and branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification. And that is why it is so soft. They work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bolin Branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship. It is a quality that you can feel the moment you open the box. And since they sell direct to you, Bolin Branch sheets start at just $160. They're really $1,000 quality sheets for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. And I've had a chance to test these out. Fantastic. Uh, very soft as soon as you open the box, just like it says there. And sleeping on them have had no trouble getting to sleep at all. Very good restful sleep. And the best thing is that the more you wash these things, the softer they get. I can't wait. Right now, you will get $50 off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code MARTINI. Spell that B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code MARTINI for $50 off. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code Martini. Restrictions may apply. See bowlandbranch.com for details. All right, Jim, back to the presidential race, but not the 2020 race, the 2024 race. Um, been thinking about this for a little bit now, and it's we've talked about how the media loves the blue state governors, and they are very skeptical of the red state governors, particularly the ones that like to 
open up as quickly as they can under safe circumstances. They love Mike DeWine because he was uh, one of the ones very eager to, uh, to to play it on this on the safer side. But Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott in particular, along with Brian Kemp, have raised the ire of the media and Democrats. Uh, the media has painted them as just marching to the tune of President Trump, who wanted to reopen way too soon in their estimation. Yet New York, of course, where the outbreak was the worst, we had the most infections for the longest time. That's recently been eclipsed by California now. Uh, hospitalizations, still by far the most deaths. Andrew Cuomo is a hero, even though his nursing home policy, among others, uh, probably ended up costing thousands of people their lives. But Jim, it's not just about 2020 and the current political cycle. I mean, obviously they want to paint DeSantis and Abbott as incompetent and marching to Trump's tune because Florida and Texas are competitive this year. But your most likely Republican candidates in 2024 are guys like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis. So if you can kneecap them now, uh, they'll be weaker opponents in 2024. Am I out to lunch or is the media that uh, long ranged and devious? Uh, Greg, the moment you sent this in the email today, I could just kind of feel the tumblers in my lo- of the lock of my mind starting to fall into place. I, th- I think it's a very astute observation because you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'd observed that let's assume you were a diehard, you know, you're, you're, you love the Democratic Party and you work the mainstream media and you start with the assumption that Democrats are good and Republicans are bad and that's just the way things are. I wouldn't have said if you really want to look at which governors are doing the best, well, you can make a case for Steve Bullock out in Montana, um, who, by the way, is running for the Senate. You can make a case for David Ige out in Hawaii, although Hawaii's economy has gotten just slammed. Um, It's not just that the media is celebrating Democrats too much. They're celebrating on paper the wrong Democrats too much, that there are other lesser known, less, you know, less discussed Democratic figures who are doing arguably a better job just by the measuring stick of number of cases and number of deaths. So what's going on here? I think, you know, part of it is is that the mainstream media is going to pay the most attention to the governor of New York, the governor of, of California the governors of big states like Michigan and Pennsylvania, uh, stuff like that. A lot of folks who are media is based in New York. They probably live in New Jersey. So New Jersey is going to get more attention. So you're going to see media appetite, you could say, for folks who work in the media. This is, you know, obviously inaccurate. And they have their narrative of it's not just, you know, Democratic governors are better, but these Democratic governors who we were already interested in are yes. better. This all of a sudden makes sense. Andrew Cuomo did not run for president. A couple of people thought he would. And now, lo and behold, if Andrew Cuomo, well, the Biden's going to make his vice presidential choice. And maybe if he chooses not to run in 2024, by, by universal acclamation, the Democrats will say, OK, the running the, the you know, vice president to be named is the successor. But my guess is there'll be some Democrats will say, no, 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 I think I should be the next nominee and I'm going to run. This is where we are with this. And my suspicion is, is that, you know, now Cuomo very much really does want to run for president someday. Probably Gavin Newsom wants to run for president someday. Whitmer is getting the the buzz for running mate this time around, and maybe she wants to thinks in four years she'll be ready to run. Obviously, as you mentioned, the Republican candidates. I know Abbott is heard through the grapevine. He wants to run. I think he's got a very solid record. Um, it also, I think it'd be very interesting to have the first openly handicapped president, uh, depending on how you want to count uh, FDR. So look, you know. Um, I think you're right. I think that there are certain folks in the media who are looking down the road and that this has indeed shaped their idea of who's doing a good job and who's doing a bad job, because we all know this has nothing to do with how the states are actually performing in dealing with this. 
No, that's exactly right. The scenarios like that for the Democrats anyway. It's, you know, if Trump is reelected, obviously it's an it's an open field in 2024. And if Biden wins, uh, depending on who he picks, uh, if it's not a natural politician type, uh, you just don't know if they would end up uh, jumping in. So if it's a Susan Rice, for example, who's never been on a ballot in her life, uh, maybe she would, but I doubt she'd have a clear field. Uh, if it's somebody like Harris, uh, I, I'd still be surprised if she had a completely clear field. But uh, nonetheless, uh, going after the very popular governors of big states on the Republican side seems to be more than a coincidence here, because even before the numbers started to uptick in Florida and Texas, when they decided to reopen because the numbers were better than expected, particularly in Florida with the elderly population there, they were still being demonized. And for weeks on end, before there were any numbers to suggest that uh, they should be demonized and their death numbers are still way below New York and, and other places. You know, it's one of those things where in absolute numbers, you know, th this is not a, a, you know, this is still not comparable to how bad things were up in New York and to a lesser extent, New Jersey. Uh, you can make the argument pro per capita. It's an, to hear certain folks uh, discuss this pandemic, uh, Greg, you would really think the coronavirus is caused by electing Republican governors. Well, we know the virus uh, prefers certain political causes, so it probably prefers specific politicians, too, right? <laughs> On to uh, more political news here in our final Crazy Martini. Let's go over to Massachusetts. Their primary day is September 1st. Uh, this is for the U.S. Senate. I assume other races as well. Ed Markey, longtime Democrat, was in the House for many years, ultimately uh, won the special race to uh, fill the seat when the illustrious John Kerry became Secretary of State. So Ed Markey's been in Washington about 35 years. Uh, pretty much a down-the-line lib in every area, especially on climate and those sorts of issues. But Joe Kennedy III, uh, the grandson of Robert F. Kennedy, is, uh, I believe, his late 30s, maybe very early 40s. He's decided he wants the Senate seat, though. So he's going to challenge Ed Markey. And according to most polls, he's likely to win the primary. Uh, the Boston Globe, knowing that a lot of people are going to vote by mail-in ballot, decided to endorse early in this race. So they've endorsed Ed Markey. That is not sitting well with the Kennedy campaign. Here's Politico. Congressman Joe Kennedy III's campaign ripped the state's largest newspaper after it endorsed incumbent Senator Ed Markey, accusing the Boston Globe of protecting the status quo for its, quote, disproportionately white, well-off, well-educated readers. The scathing email to supporters was penned by campaign manager Nick Clemens, which uh, the larger statement says, if you are one of the Globe's disproportionately white, well-off, well-educated readers, the past few decades have been pretty good for you. The status quo has delivered. Ed Markey has done just fine. But if you are one of the hundreds of thousands of normal working people in this commonwealth, if you are black or brown, if you are an immigrant or a veteran, if you are sick or struggling or suffering, you know that business as usual isn't working. All right, Jim, uh, my bottom line takeaway here is a Kennedy wants a Senate seat. How dare anyone say no? You know, I was going to say, Greg, there's nothing, you know, if anybody, if <laughs> it's nothing I love more than a Kennedy complaining about how difficult things are for him, <laughs> how unfair the world is, uh, how they have to not do with nearly as many of the advantages of everyone else. Boy, life is just rough when you're, when you're a Kennedy. Now, the interesting thing is if, if this were a case where the Republicans had any shot at this seat, I'd be more interested. As is, it's just kind of this strange fight between Markey, who is a pretty, if you look up the dictionary for generic Democrat, that's pretty close to what you get. People are not, you know, huge fans of his, uh, but they also don't really hate him that much. He has fairly low approval ratings for a 
Democrat in the state of Massachusetts, but probably not the kind where he's going to, in, in normal circumstances, you wouldn't see him all that worried about this. Now, the interesting thing is, Kennedy is like, well, I, I should be in the Senate because, you know, my last name is Kennedy. Uh, and therefore, I am qualified for this job and I am the best choice and all that stuff. There's not a huge policy difference between the two. I know Kennedy's been trying to make the argument of, oh, you know, I'm the the true progressive in this race. And he's gotten too uh, easygoing with the the establishment, I suppose, and all that kind of stuff. Unless you're a di- already a diehard Democrat um, who's really up to, you know, concerned about who, who who's going to represent the state. You're, it's just not going to get that much kind of excitement over here. And yet it's kind of interesting to watch Kennedy trying to make the argument of the establishment is trying to help my rival. Because as we all know, the establishment hates Kennedys, particularly in Massachusetts <laughs> amongst Democrats. Yes, they've only run the uh, entire state politically for the past 60 years and probably longer than that. But, uh, you know, you go back to uh, JFK's grandfather being mayor of Boston in the early 1900s. Yes, it's the Kennedys who are constantly the underdog and oppressed in the Massachusetts political scene. That's it's just so, just so rich. Kind of like the Kennedys. You know, if only somebody had given the Kennedys a fair shot. Wow. So we'll see what happens there. According to this Politico story, the polls have tightened a little bit, uh, and both campaigns seem to acknowledge that. So maybe we'll at least get to watch some uh, mud flinging from uh, a race that we really have no stake in, so we can just pop some popcorn uh, and uh, watch that play out over the next <laughs> month or so. So, Jim, three more crazies in the books. Big shock. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please don't forget our sponsors over at bowlandbranch.com. Promo code Martini for $50 off any sheet set there. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review with five stars. You can also get us on those home devices. Just say play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.